Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, already know. a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Warning, the following episode contains stories of extreme violence. They used to rape people, young girls. And then when they get pregnant and all that, the pregnant ladies' breasts were cut. They would cut, the, open their bellies, take the kids, and they burn it on a pit, like how you barbecue or something. Kids were found literally roasted on spits. You've heard me talk about riots, families being separated, the atrocities committed by the British and other men in power, but you haven't really heard me discuss the state of women during this time. These next two episodes will exclusively focus on women and how they were used as weapons, as martyrs, and how their mass murders and suicides were downplayed for the pitiful excuse of honor. From iHeartRadio, I'm Neha Aziz, and this is Partition a podcast that will take a closer look into this often forgotten part of history. Around 75,000 to 100,000 women are thought to have been raped and abducted during partition by men of other religions and by men of the same religion, some of whom were in fact related to the women in question. 
We had heard time and again in many villages on both sides of the border, hundreds of women had jumped or were forced to jump into wells. This seemed bizarre. Could the pull of religion be so strong that people, more specifically women, would actually kill themselves? This is an excerpt from feminist author and activist Urvashi Butalia's book, The Other Side of Silence. She collects many memories and accounts about women in partition. I met Basant Kaur, a tall, strapping woman in her mid-60s, who had been present in her village, Twakulsa, in March 1947, when the decision was taken that women would jump into a well. She watched more than 90 women throw themselves into a well for fear of Muslims. She too jumped in, but survived because there was not enough water in the well to drown them all. She said, it's like when you put rotis into a tandoor and if it is too full, the ones near the top, they don't cook. They have to be taken out. Kaur's son, Bir Bahadur Singh, watched his father kill his sister. He described the incident with pride in his voice pride at his sister's courage. The first time I had been alerted to family deaths, the term for men of families killing off their women and children, was when I had met an old man named Mangal Singh. He told me how he and his two brothers had taken the decision to kill, he used the word martyr, 17 members of their family. We had to do this, he told me, because they would have been converted. Mangal Singh thought he was doing his duty. He thought he was doing a kindness. Butalia recalls her encounter. He crossed over to Amritsar, where he began a new life. When I met him, he was the only one left of the three brothers. He had a new family, a wife, children, grandchildren, all of whom who had heard and dismissed his stories. To learn more about women's experiences during the partition, I interviewed a partition survivor who was a small child in 1947. Regardless of age, there are things that one never forgets. She wrote an historical fiction novel that came out this year, titled Love Partitioned, a mix of research and moments she witnessed. She used this book as a way to cope with the monstrosities of the event. In addition to her novel, we discussed her family and reflected on 75 years. Hi, I'm Angela Waldron. I retired as a professor at Ohio State University in biomedical engineering. And now I am in a senior facility in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. And I'm also an adjunct professor at Stanford University in School of Medicine and working on prevention research for older adults. What I'm doing and I'm writing, and my next book is on compassion, then I will do a sequel to Love Partition, you know, essentially following up the plot where I kind of left off. Women are at the forefront of Manjula's book, histories and stories that are often ignored in most narratives of partition. She talks about how her mother and other women she admired played characters in her novel, especially the main character, Mangla. 
Love Partition follows Mangla, her mother, her best friend Basanti, and her husband, Anand, as they navigate their own conflicts of religion, sexuality, and social privilege leading up to Partition. Mangla is very idealistic and works hard to become an advocate for women in the worlds of education and the greater Indian community. Through Mangla, the reader gets the distinct perspective of being a woman during this time period. We observe her sacrifices, her family struggles, her relationships, and the violence and abuse she received and witnessed firsthand. The character, the, the protagonist, Mangla, is based on all the women I have admired over time. So uh, my father, till my mother's dying day, would say, well, you know, your mother saved our lives. And I'd say, how? And my mother would shit him up. She didn't want to live through that trauma again. And so I didn't know anything from her point of perspective or who was who and why and where. But I knew she was you know, very keen worker. In, uh, she did a lot of work with crafts and things, very accomplished and also very strong person. And she supported me through my education to come overseas and married. And everybody was, of course, against they were going to arrange my marriage. She just said, no, you just do what you need to do. Manjula's mother was a major source of inspiration for her characters in Love Partitioned. Even though her mom remained tight-lipped about her own stories, because of the exuberant amount of research Manjula conducted for the book, she can only fathom what her mother most likely experienced. I did a lot of research, reading about it, and it was all just the books were all about gore and horrid things, not representing that there was any transformation, any, any way in which it could be redeemed. And yet, I mean, we are all alive, and my mother was alive, and she did a lot for advancement and supporting girls after partition. And so how did she find that courage? But she wouldn't talk about it because personally it was, I, I could understand after I did a lot of PTSD training why it was hard for me and why it was hard for her and why it was hard for my father to escape just through the skin of their teeth. Kind of I know you were obviously very young, but do you remember anything about partition in the weeks and months leading up to it? Like, did you witness any unrest? Did you notice kind of a change in the communities in which you were living? Yes. And as I talk, I'm kind of having those uh, body reactions. Uh, yes, um, the direct action day is based on essentially body recollections, but of course fictionalized. But all the carnage that I saw is seared in the brain of the direct action day because I had gone to Delhi for my birthday to my grandparents. And so, you know, parts of it are real from my memory. It's a, it's a body memory. And so that was very unsettling. And I tried to write it in my continuing studies at Stanford writing classes, but I just couldn't do it. I had to fictionalize it. So, so the, those kind of carnage are very vivid. The headless bodies, for example, the train ride. You know, everybody was having one reaction to things and I was having totally different reaction. And um, the Iraq war was very hard for me. 
I couldn't watch. I had to do a TV fast when Bush was president for almost for a year. I discussed Direct Action Day in grave detail in last week's episode. The savagery of the riots, looting, and murder that took place is not for the faint of heart. It is proven that smell is a sense most associated with memory, and for Manjula, that statement could not be more true. The smell of charred flesh. Because I was vegetarian, I didn't come across it until I was at Stanford, and I was pregnant with my son, and I guess all the hormones too, which has brought up everything. And come six o'clock, you know, the whole California lights up with barbecues in summer, and hamburgers and things. And, and I just, I just couldn't bear it. I needed to fly somewhere. And of course I could, I was stuck at Stanford as a graduate student. That smell, I still have a lot of problem with because I guess there's no difference between cow's flesh and human flesh when it's put on the fire. At the top of the episode, you heard a clip from my great aunt. The disturbing sentiment she described is echoed in Manjula's book. Mangla looks out the window. By the road, she sees dried up bodies of three women. Their abdomens have been slashed open and their fetuses lie beside them in a neat arrangement. You've heard me say this before, that many people who were trying to escape on trains didn't make it to their destination alive. In Love Partitioned, Mandula wrote a collection of scenes that took place on trains, a lot of which was drawn from her own experience escaping with her family. We were to be on the train where everybody was massacred. And my mother, uh, and, and that part is, I remember them fighting, uh, would be, uh, you know, it's fictionalized version, but still, it was real that my father wanted to just take one more day and be on the train we were supposed to be. But my mother was listening to everybody. And she said, no, she was going to leave the day before. And he said, are you crazy? You know, it's just one day we won't have a place, we won't have this, we won't have that. And she said, well, then I will leave with the children because I'm hearing we won't make it. Because uh, all the trains were coming back with dead bodies and only a few people survived. And so my father finally said, all right, we'll go. And we just escaped because, uh, you know, all those headless bodies and all the the people who were massacred were there around us and so we just had to hide in the train and make sure so some of those things again it's you know not real but historically correct so it's something that you had to be on that train to experience and if you were on the later train then you didn't experience because I wouldn't be here talking to you Her mother truly did save their lives. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Something else I wanted to ask you, you know, this year does mark the 75th 
anniversary, as you know. Um, how are you feeling about that? Well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to finish this book, because there are not too many people living your age and other who really know what happened. Exactly. And there's a hopeful side to things, but there's also hopeless side, and it's our choice where we focus. What Manjula says here is so accurate. People my age don't know about this, regardless if partition is a part of our history or not. When speaking to my other friends who are South Asian, more often than not, when they do find out about it, it's by accident. The 75th anniversary to me is very timely for the book to come out because it's not only the 75th anniversary of independence, it's also the 75th anniversary of Pakistan being born. Mandula recalls seeing Gandhi after he passed. Of course, assassination of Gandhi where I was, and it still is memory in my brain about him being assassinated. So that one, again, is, uh, is real, I mean, fictionalized real, but I can see his body lying there. You know, and, and all the grown-ups were crying. I'd never seen grown-ups crying. And then, you know, when they found it was a Hindu who killed, they were all relieved because at least the carnage will stop. Even after all this time, Mandula recounts how when she sees any type of film or show, if there is blood, she can't watch it. I, I just couldn't see blood. I couldn't see gore. I, you know, my children will say, okay, mom, you can open your eyes. It's gone. I just couldn't see it. I couldn't experience it as an adult, as, you know, my children were older, teenagers, but I just couldn't. Manjula visited an exhibit where a lot of recreations of Gandhi through tech triggered more memories for her. I would compare her experience to confronting a ghost from your past. How would any of us react if one place housed so many recollections we may want to forget? So then I sat there and I kind of lost it. I just cried and cried and cried and cried. So I've written that up, going to Gandhi Museum as a story. But it was very difficult. And that, I think, made some connection in the body and mind for me to even look at it. And so this was 2006, 2007, when I went to Delhi. So that was also the, essentially, genesis of this novel, was this experience of, oh, okay, so my memories aren't as bad as I think they are, because this actually happened, and I just as a child, couldn't make sense of it. Because after independence, we were supposed to live happily ever after. And that's how everybody projected, you know, rah, rah, rah. But it wasn't rah, rah, rah. It wasn't hard to admire Manjula while listening to her speak. She possesses tenacity and poise at the same time. When I mentioned this to her, she told me that for a long time, she disassociated herself with partition. And it wasn't until she was older that she was able to talk about it in this way. In a way, it's like we both had a reckoning with ourselves later in life when it comes to partition. For me, it was finally knowing about it and trying to understand all the pieces. For Manjula, it was coming to terms and trying to make sense of her memories and experiences. 
if I didn't have it in my body, seared in my brain, I probably wouldn't have been able to put this book together. Next time, I try to find out what we can do to acknowledge these countless women, the ones who fiercely protected their families, the ones who met a terrible fate because of their male relatives, the ones who went missing. Listen in to hear my conversation with artist Pritika Chaudhary and her work with anti-memorials. I wanted to understand how this construct of Mother India had maybe enabled the perverse logic of using rape as a weapon in communal rights, where, you know, the body of the women of a community can become the symbolic battleground where if you violate the women's bodies, you can inflict a very deep wound and humiliation to the men of that community. This is how she pays tribute to those who never got a chance to share their perspective. Until next week, I'm Neha Aziz, and this is Partition. Partition was developed as a part of the Next Up initiative created by Anna Hosnier, Joelle Monique, and Yesenia Median. Partition is produced by Anna Hosnier, Trisha Mukherjee, and Becca Ramos. It is edited by Rory Gagan with original score composed by Mark Hadley. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. 
Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.